Welcome to the Nothing to Fear podcast. It is a joy to be back. We are talking about horror movies, as we do every single week. My name is Billy Schultz, and I am joined, as always, by my two very, very, very good friends, Luke Mason. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing just fine today. Nice. Can't wait. And also joined by Alex Wan. How are you? I'm doing great. Great. exciting. Great. Sorry, how are you doing? I'm great. Okay. There's a great energy in the room tonight, folks, and we are so excited. I'm especially excited to watch this movie this week. Because I thought the last time, I thought the movies we did last time was a double feature with, with Pennywise showing up twice, but little did I know that there's a secret third Pennywise movie <laughs> called It Follows. So I never even knew this was a Pennywise movie, and I'm ready to join Richie and Eddie and Bev and all the team back in Derry, Maine with more <laughs> adventures with this clown. Is that right? That's, I'm getting it right? Are you clowning around? <laughs> you got me. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> I think I think the funniest thing is that you've kind of planned this for the last two months. So long. <laughs> I've been thinking about it. And, and yet it came out so organic. <laughs> it was great. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> jokes on you. I'm going to cut this part and then it's going to sound like a real joke. Yeah. Or, or just like you keep our reactions in and then we just sound you, like no, nonsensical you, assholes. You just, no, you just have to find. That's like called a, nothing to fear. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta find like an old episode where we're genuinely laughing and then paste it in. (laughs) Yeah, like how you edited in the song in Halloween 3 every time we said (laughs) Which I hope you do this time as well. Which is like only a few listeners will get, especially if this is our first episode. But anyway, like every time we make a joke or a bad joke, you insert like some clip of an actual laugh we have, but it's like over the... I'm just going to take that laugh and put it earlier. Yeah. I'll I'll record one later. That'll be my stock laugh. Okay, great. And then you can use that. That sounds for the I love it. You know, I'm I'm learning how to edit. I'm getting a little bit better and every single week you offer a new more frustrating hardball for me to try to hit out of the park and I do it perfectly. But <laughs> what do you compliment? Know? <laughs> what do you know about It Follows? Which is the movie we're doing. It is not a Pennywise movie. What do you know about this film? I know pretty much all of it because I've seen it before. Okay, you've seen it. I have also seen it before. You've seen it. Yeah. But I it have? was right when it came out. So it's like... Yeah. It was like five years ago. It's been a while since I've seen it. Okay. So I don't... Like, I'm not going to remember all the exact story points, but I, I know what happens and I know what it's about. And it's a very cool movie. Hmm. Well, I also... No, I don't know anything about this movie. thought this was an it movie. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it's about. I'm no, excited. it follows it. <laughs> yes. Yes. The, the joke I had way back in June when I was thinking about movies to do, I said, oh, so good. But so is this would this be It Follows It? It Follows It. So it's like almost mm, like a... Actually, It Follows It, Chapter 2. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't this be Chapter 3? No, it'd be It Follows It, Chapter 2. Yeah, because this is not Chapter right. 2. Right. Actually, technically with that framing, it'd have to be It Follows, Follows It, <laughs> Chapter 2. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Also, listen back. This podcast episode is going to be a complete palindrome. <laughs> so, yeah. We only were able to pull it off by planning nothing. Can you tell? All right. Join the Navy. <laughs> Does so, join start with a Y? <laughs> no, that's a Simpsons joke. That's a Simpsons reference uh, with subliminal messaging and reverse 
things. Mm. I is a very niche Simpsons joke, so very good one, Alex. That's, yeah, thank you. I yeah. thought I thought of it on my own. <laughs> <laughs> you remembered it on your own. <laughs> so we're good at planning palindromes to take into account all of these digressions. Oh god, yeah. Like I said, when I send you the scripts for each episode, it is very meticulous. It takes me a lot of time. I don't sleep more than twelve minutes a night, but that's okay. But we're gonna watch this movie. I'm excited because this is one that when it came out, it was around that time when I was getting the very sense that horror movies were something I should maybe pay a little bit more attention to, but I was too afraid to watch. So, you know, I think I have heard synopses of this movie. I've heard other podcasts talk about it, but because my brain is, you know, a fine sieve, most of that stuff has washed out. And I don't remember anything about this movie. So we're going to take a watch of it. We're going to spoil it all Mm. after the break the break the trailer break so if you want to watch this in anticipation uh, you should have done so before listening to this because in about three minutes we're gonna start spoiling the hell out of it and discussing it and also if you're worried about triggers check out does the dog die.com to see if there are things you right. should watch out for i just have a quick question for alex oh let's since, hear it since he's seen it before too just purely to annoy our listeners which is our number one guarantee would you call this a horror movie no no, <laughs> I don't think I would either. But it's a it's a good thriller with some tense, creepy parts. Yeah, and the, and so a couple scary parts. There are a couple scary parts, but I wouldn't classify it as a horror movie. But it is. I would classify this as a horror movie as how I would classify The Witch as a horror movie. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's like, don't worry, Billy. There's nothing to fear. Hey, you're gonna be just fine. It's tense and unsettling. Yeah. Okay. Which is actually probably my favorite kind of not horror horror. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean the the horror genre is is unfolding itself to me in a bunch of different right, ways. Yeah, right? Where yeah, there's, that's fair. There's things that are horror because of the blood and gore and guts and murders. There's things because of the demons and spooky stuff. There's things because of the Sam Raimi's. Yeah, because Sam Raimi's is throwing Bruce Campbell into some bookshelves. There's all kind of different horror yeah, movies. I mean, and to be fair minded, I need to be a little bit more open. I think <laughs> onto this, but. I think that because from the like 70s and 80s, the campy, schlocky, stupid has come to define horror. Yes. Right? Any movie that isn't like that, that is a little bit creepy, is like, hmm, I guess that's not horror. That's something good. Right? Well, Incorporating good movies into horror has just, is like a mental block for me sometimes. Yeah, the thing is like... If, until recently, right? Mm. If a movie doesn't scare you at all, would you classify it as a horror movie? See, I think horror, I don't know how to, how to explain this exactly, but it's it's gone beyond just frightening people, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Psychological horrors, they make you think about things afterwards. And, you know, there's different subgenres of horrors, as we've come to learn while doing this podcast. And I think, I think just my very limited vision of horror when we first started this was that, oh, if it's scary, it's going to be horror. But I think I've grown to appreciate other parts of the horrorness and it's probably worth an entire podcast episode talking about this subject. Mm, but Maybe, yeah. This would be a movie I think skirts the line between yeah. th- thriller and horror. So I guess why make the line? <laughs> yeah. Th- there's a lot of horror movies that I've, I've been sort of in my research and in, in consuming other culture around doing this podcast. A lot of people say, you know, the horror movies that were really scary were ones when you maybe were at a sleepover and you watched it with a bunch of friends and you're 11 or 12 and sure, there's going to be jump scares and blood, and it's going to be scary to that. And that is sort of where 
that horror bakes in. And because I think we missed out on that sort of sleepover horror culture where it's like, do you want to watch, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street? And oh, there might be boobs in it. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be scary and yes, blood. I and- do. <laughs> Guys, rush a boob. <laughs> and when you, so when we consume all this stuff growing up, it's, it's just, well, that's not like really that scary. Mm-hmm. And I think that's right. The whole point of this podcast mm-hmm, is yeah. like the horror movies that we watch can be frightening and can be nothing to scare a child nothing nothing to nothing to worry about <laughs> yeah i think i but, think if you just purely go by the definition of if it scares you it's a horror movie then i don't think that does that the, the yeah. genre justice because throwback to episode one that would make snow white a horror movie which it clearly is not <laughs> right all right so i think that's but i'm excited this is a yeah. i remember really liking this movie so it's a good i'm excited one. too i've heard i've heard as a Spoiler, there's something that I'm looking forward to where when I have heard people talk about it follows, they go, ooh, the doorway scene. Mm. And I, yeah, I remember that one. am just, okay, let's check out this doorway scene. So we're going to check out the doorway <laughs> scene and all the other scenes around it before Good and framing, after it. Billy. <laughs> Good framing of the episode. <laughs> and then we'll come back and we'll talk about it some more. We used to daydream about being old enough to go on dates. I had this image of myself. Holding hands with a really cute guy. Driving along some pretty road. It's never about going anywhere, really. It's having some sort of freedom, I guess. Okay. You awake? What are you doing? You're not gonna believe me. And I need you to remember what I'm saying. This thing, it's gonna follow you. Somebody gave it to me, and I passed it to you. Wherever you are, it's somewhere walking straight for you. All you can do is pass it along to someone else. Do it. It Follows is a 2014 American horror film written and directed by David Robert Mitchell and starring Micah Monroe. That's right. Kier Gilchrist, Daniel Zovato, Jake Weary, Olivia Lucardi, and Lily Seppi. The film follows a teenage girl named Jay who is pursued by a supernatural entity after a sexual encounter. Boom. That's it. And everything else follows. (sighs) So before we talk about our initial takes and responses to this movie there is a very excellent comic that i've had that i sent to the group chat just after we recorded this that i'm going to put on the instagram as my thoughts of this movie where it's just two frames one man arms crossed looking frustrated second frame guy shrugging looking as frustrated and saying i guess because (laughs) that's what that's how you feel (laughs) sure i guess any any question you can answer or you can ask about this movie the answer is i guess (laughs) And so, <laughs> yeah. So I'm taking it you didn't like it. I'll get to that. Okay. It's not that I didn't like it. I it, guess. I guess. <laughs> I guess. It follows, and I guess. <laughs> I feel like everybody could just read in our tones the entire synopsis and uh, have a good night. See you later, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Nothing to fear is over. This movie was confusing for me, just because there were so many questions that I had about the mechanics of this universe. Everywhere from what year is it supposed to be to how does any of this work? And I'll get into that as we go. But uh, Alex, what did you think? This is your second time watching this one. Actually, it's my third time watching this. <sighs> so I think I like it more each time I watch it. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, 
yeah, I, I like this movie a lot. Nice. Okay, I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> Honestly, I'm so excited. Luke, what about you? Yeah, it's, I would say it's a very uncanny movie. Yes. There's a lot of just the sound and the feel and the filming and the style of it that is like, what? <laughs> it doesn't make it bad, right? It's just a different kind of movie. And I think, additionally, this movie only makes sense as symbolism. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, yeah. there's there's no... The, I think the reason, <laughs> Billy, your question, what are the mechanics of this, are it's both totally understandable that you'd ask that question and also totally kind of beside the point, Yeah, <laughs> I think. So, yeah, I mean, that would be what I would say at first. It's like, like the Babadook, which I don't think makes much sense except through that lens of... Okay. Metaphor and symbolism. I think it's the same in this one for the most obvious thing is STIs. Yes. But I think it could be extended to maybe anything that a single person is struggling with that no one else can see or feel or understand. And then how that translates into how they try to live and, and how it affects their experiences and how they even try to communicate it to the people in their lives. Hmm. So that would be... And, and from that perspective, I think that there's probably a lot to this film. Mm. But I don't know all of it yet, so I'm excited to get into it with, there with is, both of you. There is, a, there is a lot to this film, but I, I like your point about the Babadook. And so I think if the Babadook-averse is its own self-contained universe, then the It Follows-averse also is its own universe where it has questions and it doesn't necessarily exist in this world that we inhabit or a standard movie logic world. Okay, so first, for the plot rundown, we'll, we'll kind of just take it, we'll go through the movie a little bit by a little bit, and we'll talk about it as it comes. So it starts right away with some gal who is running away. She's, she's the, running. Are you talking streets. the very opening scene? Very, very yeah, opening right. scene. We see this girl running from her house. She's She seems really sad. She's upset. She's in her underwear and high heels, and you can't run in high heels. I don't care what Jurassic Park, the <laughs> Jurassic World teaches you. You can't do it. Which clearly, she did it. <laughs> she did it quite well. She did it for a while. And then she's she's on the phone. She's talking to her dad. She's telling her parents that she loves them. Then it's like smash cut, and she's very dead. And yeah. that's like how dismembered dead. Just, yeah, the leg bent completely all the way back dead. And then that is where the first question came because we find out very in, in sort of rapid order that the plot of this movie works is that there is some sort of curse or thing or it or creature that will hunt you down if you have had sex. please call it pennywise okay <laughs> so there's a pennywise yeah. in this movie there to, was to maximize confusion to everybody listening so if you have if you're infected with this disease this creature or whatever then it is going to follow you until it kills you the only way to pass it down is to have sex with somebody else, mm-hmm. and then it will follow them, and they are supposed to pass it down and have sex. But if it kills, so if if you have sex with somebody and then it kills them, then you're next on the list. And so I'm wondering, mm. is how did Annie, the girl we saw at the very start of the movie, where does she fit in the timeline? Is she just like a random thing? Because if because if is it just the next partner or is it if you have sex with three people then it's going to follow all three of those people because we see it kill annie and then we see it kill or or it's coming after jeff he was his name hugh slash jeff wasn't that her in the picture with jeff i thought that was you remember the picture that paul finds in the porno mag that would mean that jeff gave it to her 
and to Jay, the protagonist well, maybe. of the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, mean, I don't. I think so, okay. So if, so where did my question is where did Jeff get it? Because I thought that he Annie, said he got it from a one night stand in a bar. Oh, and Annie was his girlfriend. Yeah, who's not the one night stand. Yeah, and then she dies, so he passed it on to Jay. Right, and then that's where we have the movie. Like, okay. as if you, I guess if you keep passing it on to someone. So like, in <laughs> theory, if it killed Jay, it would go after Jeff. Jeff, and if it killed Jeff, it would go after whoever passed it to the him one at stand. that one night stand from the. Okay, bar. so here's one question: If you have, so if you're Jeff, right, mm. and you have given it to Annie, and you've given it to Jay. And you've given it to another person. Say, does it follows have to kill both all three of the people you have had sex with? No, if you got it, no, and it, then attack it, you. It's, it's a one-time thing. I think there's a one primary. At yeah, any given it, it time, doesn't it doesn't split up. But the primary changes if the primary gets killed. Well, so what, Annie's death at the start. Right. Yeah. That means it goes to Jeff, yeah. but then Jeff gives it to Jay. Yeah. yeah. So, so can, you can give it back. Yeah. Kind of. Well, so like, if it's <laughs> that's what it's, I'm confused about. Just to, okay. If Billy, Jeff had if Jeff had slept with Jay while Annie was still alive, okay, it wouldn't have been going for Jay. Okay. Just right? imagine. Okay, Billy. Just imagine. Okay, it's one person revenge tag. That's really all it is. <laughs> it's one person revenge tag. That's a good. That's a good description. That's actually. that's it. All right. So it's, I understand that reference totally. I do. Can you tell it? The okay, revenge tag. It's a game. <laughs> Primarily played by children, but anyone can play it. You're never too old for tag. Um, so the game of tag, for those of you that don't know that, is... Actually, means touch and go. It, it yeah. means touch and Speaking go. Speaking of acronyms. Yeah, so Wait, really? essentially, <laughs> yeah. if I'm it, and okay. I, ta- I if I tag Billy, and I touch Billy, and I tag Billy, Billy is now it, and Billy... No. <laughs> Billy needs to go tag someone else, okay? Now, revenge tag, that's like... So the way that revenge tag works is wow. if the person who tagged you gets tagged, you're it again, or you're back out. So it's like reverse revenge tag. It's reverse tag. Yeah. It's reverse re- It's, I don't, okay. It's reverse, it's reverse revenge tag. I oh. made it sound a lot more confusing than it is, but honestly, Billy, I don't think it's that confusing. Are we clear? It's, it's a so single you line. Can, you can imagine okay. like an evolutionary branching tree, right? Sure. You've, you've known about like it, it kind of curls around because, mm-hmm. or, or even like hereditary lineage. Like That's a, hereditary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like imagine a king. Okay. Right, right? King. king. Kings or queens, it's always the firstborn. So even if there's others, it's only going through one line. But imagine mm-hmm. it going backwards. Okay. It would always go through that line backward. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. So even if there were other people in play, right? So it's like because. Jeff was the primary, let's say, the primary target of it when he slept with Jay. That's why it was going to her, because you pass it forward. And if she dies, it immediately goes back to Jeff until he sleeps with somebody else. Okay, or he so, dies. So, right. But if if Jay is is out there, she's mm-hmm. infected, and Jeff sleeps with somebody else, yeah. Jeff no. sleeps with Marsha, Marsha's fine. Yeah. Marsha's fine, because okay. it's at least, stuck on Jay right now. At least, I think. it's Okay, so <laughs> the very... The, the most basic way I can put it is it's not a it's not a singular line, but it only happens at one instance. So the line can split up, but there's only one instance of yeah, it at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because <laughs> I was puzzling that out the whole yeah. time, mm-hmm. and like, I think I made it more complicated because I was, are we going to see that Annie is Annie shows up right at the very end, and it was like a flashback. Right. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. True. See, you know. Yeah, so I was I was putting way more folds in this 
cloth. It's than it's I used to. <laughs> it's way more simple than what okay. it could have been. I, and yeah. I think even just to frame it as the the most interesting part of this movie to me is the it, or I guess it's so confusing to call it it. Consider we just did two call movies. it the thing. <laughs> yeah, the thing. okay. <laughs> the sp- oh, I know what I'll call it. It's it's a specter. Sure. Right. Yeah, the okay. specter. And, and that's actually the role it plays the majority of the film is that Jay is just scared all the time, yeah. right? Even when it's not, even when the specter's not around, she's just waiting for it to show up. And so it kind of makes its presence felt in an ambient fashion, even if it's not right beside you, mm-hmm. which of course it does in the movie, right? And yeah. I think that that's the, the mo- that's the best part of the metaphor is that even when it's not around you're always just scared of it and waiting for it to show up anyway right yeah and that came across really well throughout the whole movie with annie once she realized it wasn't a hoax or it wasn't a fake jay yep jay <laughs> <laughs> thank you short for Jaden. jamie jamie yeah there we go short for jamie <laughs> yeah so jamie she was very yeah, very tense and very scared. And there's that great scene where she's in the hospital. We're jumping way to the middle, to the end of the movie. But she's in the hospital. And you just hear footsteps in the hallway. And you can just see her tense every single muscle in her body until it's just a nurse walking by. And then she kind of takes a sigh of relief. But you know that it's only for the length of that size exhalation that she is relieved. And then right back to not knowing where this specter is. And that was that was interesting. So... The character of Jamie was interesting. She was, she. I thought she played it really well, but I thought this movie was, by and large, it was just weird. It was just a weird, weird, weird movie. Super weird movie. You know what? Actually, it's it. It feels like it is a mashup of different genres because I think the kind of weird realism of the conversations between the teen or like late teen, early 20s characters mixed with the weird kind of scene changing and music. It did remind me a lot of movies of this era, 2012 to 2015 kind of time, but more of like a coming of age style of movie than a horror or a thriller even. Yeah, it felt kind of like Garden State a yeah, little bit. Yeah, exactly. It did feel like that kind of mm, speculative Americana kind <laughs> of thing, you yeah. know? And and some of those movies I really like. There's a movie called Kings of Summer that came out in 2013 that isn't exactly like this movie, but it's kind of a little bit like that, that coming-of-age feel in this previous decade, right? And, mm. and I think that this movie... Even though, weirdly, all of the set, you can't tell what decade it even is. It definitely, the movie itself, if I had to get, if I had to watch this movie, okay, yeah, this came out in the 2010s, for sure. Just the feel, the sound, the style, the the script, the dialogue, you're like, oh yeah, this this is not a 90s movie. This is not even a 2000s movie. This is clearly a 2010s movie. It's a very ennui sense of, yeah, youth not really knowing what the, what the future is going to do and this sort of sense of weird stasis where you have a character who's just spending all her time working her way through the idiot by Dostoevsky. <laughs> yeah. You have on a clam phone or on something. A weird clam phone. You have, you know, people just sort of idly talking about, you know what they're going to do. They still live at home, but they look like they're maybe not in school. You know, it's, I'm sure, you know, the word millennial movie had been tossed around because it strikes me as, very, very that tone of not like, you know, there's all these scenes of these houses in these boroughs in Detroit uh, that are just abandoned houses. They're just boarded up houses that have been left 
to be claimed by the elements. They weren't even torn down or anything. And it's just... It's like a teen drama without any drama. Well, a bit of drama. (laughs) Well, like, there's drama with the specter. Yeah, but it's like no relationship drama. Other than, like, Jeff. But then he explains it. They're like, oh, okay. So Yeah, that was weird. Because I set up Jeff as this guy who staked out this place and used a fake name and bought a house and stashed up there and hid away and found a girl to, to pass it on to. And then they just go to the house and immediately they find a picture yearbook they go to school oh his name's jeff here's his address and they they find him he's like yeah you got me this is what it is (laughs) yeah exposition just have sex with somebody and you'll be all good you won't be all good because if the person you have sex with dies then you're gonna die Mm. i guess (laughs) back to my i guess moment i i loved okay yeah we've jay is dating this hugh guy who's actually jeff and they have a scene in a theater where he sees something she doesn't see, right? Like she's the, yeah, oh, the they're girl playing, in the yellow dress. They're playing that game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I I actually think I loved the series of events that, okay, so then Hugh, you know, air quotes Hugh and Jay have sex in the car. Then he chloroforms her. So we're immediately going from like sweet Hugh to <laughs> psychopathic killer Hugh has her tied up so she can see the specter approaching. So she knows that it's So she knows that it's thing. real and then lets her go to be safe in a way in a weird way. And so it's like to save himself. Yes, but yes, to save himself. But it's like okay, at first it's kind of nice they're, and then all oh, now they're having sex and then he's a horrible person. As but soon- he but he did it to like let her know but then he only lets her know so she'll live so it doesn't come for him yeah it's so self-serving as soon as he you know they finish up in the car and she's lying and she's playing with the grass and it's all sort of sweet and nice as soon as he's off camera as soon as it's just the shot of her lying on the backseat of that car all i'm thinking is he's gonna do something bad yeah he's gonna do something Mm -hmm. creepy and he comes around and immediately just chloroforms her and ties her to a wheelchair but i love that sequence i thought it was really cool just how it kind of messes with how we're supposed to think about him Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so yeah because he's seen as being really sweet they're playing that game if you know you you swap lives with anybody in the audience i get two guesses to figure out who you picked and he he picks a little kid and they have a very cute conversation about yeah it'd be great there's no cares you could go to the bathroom anytime you want that was nice and then yeah he he's a weird monster who just wants to make sure he doesn't die Mm -hmm. so he in fact, somebody else. Which is like a weird part of the metaphor, too, where it's like, if you think about the Spectre as like an STI, it's kind of like he's you he's giving the Spectre to Jay knowing it will happen, but not telling her until after, mm-hmm. right? Which is... Shitty. It's, it's super <laughs> shitty. Yeah, super shitty. But I'm trying to... Like, there isn't a parallel really in real life. It would be, you know, like the only like sort of parallel be is if if you hooked up with somebody and then you got tested and fa- or you got tested and found out that you got con- contracted some STI from someone else and then you told the, your other partners. Yeah. But in this day, it's it's going in knowingly with an STI, having sex with somebody, and then being like, "By the way, you have gonorrhea. Mm-hmm. Okay, later." But this is super gonorrhea. I, 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 yeah. No, I guess I guess the only real life parallel here, and it's it's a powerful one. It's not a small thing. Is mm. that you the person you slept with would be the only other person who knows what kind of you're going through or or knows what it's like because obviously something like an STI or or any 
infection or any sort of disability that isn't overt or on the outside is a very personal thing and can can sometimes be quite shameful for people. Mm-hmm. And a so, lot of stigma, for sure. Yeah, and stigma around that too. And then it's interesting how it's only the people who've ever had the specter that can see it in the same way that it's the only people who've been in this that, that, that have the same thing you have that can kind of see the thing like you can see it and, and what the kind of trauma it does to you. Oh, that's and, interesting. And then even though everybody who you love around you cares about you, they don't see it, right? So they don't oh, get yeah. it in the same... None of Jay's friends gets what get what's happening to Jay like Jeff does. Right. Right? Right. And I think that's the real-life parallel there in the sense of if you have a, I don't know, let, obviously gonorrhea is not pleasant, apparently. <laughs> I've been told. <laughs> And yet, if it's someone who gave it to you, shitty as that is, at, l- at least like in a fucked up way, they're the only ones who know what it's like for you right now. Yeah, I get, I get what your metaphor you know? is. Like, yeah, people, people who've gone through the same experience understand better than people who haven't, mm-hmm. and that's what we see in her friends. They, they see that she's, so she, she gets revealed that there's this specter following her. Then Hugh slash Jeff drops her off at the at her house. Her friends are out, sort of doing teenagey things drinking and playing cards and they see her get dropped off and they know that something bad has happened but they have no idea to the extent of how bad it is and at that point she doesn't either she's just you know this random old woman walked towards me in a parking lot and then i got driven home by my abuser and he said some real crazy shit and i don't believe him and then she's at school oh no yeah then she's at school when the old woman starts walking towards her the first time she sees it's just this naked lady and as shitty as jeff is there's a weird empathy he shows to jay that none of the other characters can yeah you know not even later down the line her other partner greg Mm -hmm. because he doesn't believe it's he never sees the specter until it is far too late for him (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Alex? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good to me. <laughs> this is an audio medium, though. This is the content our listeners tune in week <laughs> after week for. Right. When I rewatched this, like, tonight, um, my first thought went to, like, kind of COVID, actually. Like, the spreading of COVID. Oh, interesting. And, I mean, it's it's not exactly parallel, but it's kind of... I would say in society right now, there's probably a stigma in being the one to spread it to other people because people are going to be like, well, how did you get it? Obviously, you were being irresponsible. You're out, you know, you're going to parties or on the weekend or whatever. And clearly that's very looked down upon, but people still do it. I guess until you actually get it, you don't, you wouldn't feel the empathy. Mm. I, I, I think in like right now, there's a lot of people that didn't care for it, but then they ended up getting it and it changed how they feel about it. Mm, yeah i think i've seen stories like that of people who said coronavirus is a hoax and then, well not even a hoax I got like coronavirus. like they they believe it's real they believe that it can kill and and that vulnerable populations like older people are greatly like the more death rate is really high for them i believe that there's people like that and they're not bad people but they just continue to live out their lives because they want to and it's like it's like a line between not caring and caring. They mm. understand it's a it's a bad negative thing, but they 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 want to carry on with their own lives, which you know everybody does. But then I feel as soon as you actually get it, you think about all the people you could have potentially spread it to. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then that comes with a sense of understanding and maybe regret of what you've done. Right. And then also one, once you have to tell those people, hey, I got it. You should get tested. You might have it. Then there's that social stigma. There's the shame that comes with it because clearly you weren't being as responsible as you could. Not saying that even if you lived your life perfectly in a COVID world, you, there's no chance you'll get it. There's always a chance you'll get it. But, you know, the higher risks you put yourself through, you can kind of think of those times where you probably shouldn't have gone to that party or you probably shouldn't yeah. have. Um, you probably should have washed your hands right away when you got home, you know, things like that. Well, see, that's OK. That I like that metaphor so far as it makes a little bit of sense, but it kind of falls down if you trace it back to the movie, because in that scenario, Jeff would have known he had COVID and deliberately gave it to someone else. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that, so that's the understand. part that's different. I'm, t- I'm talking more yeah. so about like how someone would feel after passing it to someone. Sure. OK, whether- well, that's that's an interesting point in the movie, too, because you notice. Jeff doesn't seem particularly thrilled that he gave it to Jay. No. And the scene after Jay, it's implied that Jay goes and sleeps with all those guys in the boat to pass it on to them. She doesn't seem pretty happy about that either, right? That Because the next scene after that is in the bedroom with her and Paul talking about it. And you could just see in her body language and tone, like she's not proud of that or even like she kind of knows it's a, te- like in the movie, she knows it's a temporary solution and it's a shitty temporary solution. And that she's condemned somebody else yeah. to possibly die mm-hmm. just to, to save herself. Right. And, and what does your, your you know, when does your survival instinct mm-hmm. kick in to protect you, you know, to do anything to keep you alive? Mm-hmm. With, and, a, like a, and, and COVID is a good one too, but the more even visceral one is like in real life, if you you have that internal dilemma of, well, I have a, have an infection but i also want to get laid right like and then maybe doing that and then not feel but and but then even extended into like oh making bad decisions with who i'm sleeping with kind of thing and then just the kind of yeah this movie's a lot about stigma and shame and fear and detachment from people you care about and the sadness that comes in from the people you care about trying to understand what you're going through but unable to mm-hmm. and like yeah. how shitty it is that sometimes the only people who can understand are people you don't love and don't want to be around and it's just like the tone of the movie the the, the symbolism it's like everything's like 15 percent off right 15 percent weird 15 percent oh why is that the music you chose for this scene like that doesn't make any sense what, what are we watching a modern blade runner like, it was so, so yeah, it was weird. Synthy and theremin-y yeah. and like, it's just like, ugh. so I actually, I don't know. I, I feel like I might have to think a little bit more about all of the way the different parts of this movie interact with all the other different parts of this movie. But I find, I, I think I like the symbolism a lot because of its emphasis on stigma to loneliness with the specter never gone. Like there's no reprieve right yeah like what is the reprieve and that's what's so tragic and sad about this movie this is a sad movie it's really this, sad this is, this is way more just a scary movie this is a very sad movie <laughs> like there are some there are some pretty good scares yes but agreed. it is it is by and large just yeah sad it's sad and upsetting because it, <laughs> it doesn't end on a very good note no no it's like what i mean other than Maybe the only antidote that we could get the positive out of it is like, uh, well, better to be chased by the specter when you're in love with someone than just fucking anybody you want. That's true. Know. Yeah, I guess. 
you can you can deal with it together better than alone yeah but also best solution <laughs> here's here's what it is i figured it out this is it the best solution to okay. get rid of the specter is you find an astronaut who's going to that mars mission uh, and yes. you have sex with them the day before launch nowhere to go it follows right you get a spaceship you walk in space i don't think so i don't know see so you you think that but it was shown that it doesn't just walk after you can do other things like it picked up a rock it broke the window and it climbed through the window it picked up all those electrical appliances at the pool and it was throwing them in and trying to hurt them that way remember billy it's slow but it's not dumb it's not dumb <laughs> so you know it's gonna wait until you know the next i don't know spacex 2066 launch and it's gonna get you yeah, but not going to get me. It's going to get some random Martian. <laughs> oh, you don't. Okay, well, you never know. Like, yeah. Okay, but also what about this? If the, the, the Spectre kills your previous partner, but before it gets you, you get into a car accident, does it just go, well, okay, that one's taken care of. Next one on the list. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> I would imagine so. <laughs> so but then, questions. like, again, there's a logical question. It's like, well, does it go back to if the last person alive is no longer alive what does it do does it just stop existing that's what that's my guess so okay here's a pitch for a movie in some alternate universe we have some sort of van helsing type renegade whose job it is to go kill all the lineage so this can't be put into the future anymore so you could just imagine yeah. some sort of renegade, okay, Scientist. killing Jay and then goes to kill Jeff and then goes to kill the one night stand and just finds every person in the world and then poof, nobody, because it's for the greater good. But, the greater but, good. But, but the science in that movie would have them have some sort of specter vision goggles. They could like, <laughs> yeah. and be able to see him. <laughs> okay. So, we, yeah. What should we talk about next, Billy? Fucking hell. I don't know. So the, <laughs> like, the plot of this movie is weird. It's basically just set piece to set piece. Jay is in a scene. She seems like, okay, it's going to be fine. Oh, no, a thing is being spooky and chasing me. And repeat until the end of the film. But when she's in the house, the first time I think it gets close to seeing her, and this scene that everyone talks about, the doorway scene, is is coming up. But, you know, it's just, again, the, the thing I had with this movie, the problem I had with this movie is people made bad choices all the time. Anytime it was... It was just bad choice. It was it was that, you know, your problem with movies, Luke, where it was like, why would somebody do that? And so, you know, they Actually, hear... can you give me some examples? Because I'm not I don't feel that way about this movie at all. Mm-hmm. So they're in the, the, the bedroom and or they're in the movie. They're in the, the living room in the very first night. And then they hear something breaking. And Paul goes, OK, there's nothing in the kitchen. I'm going to go upstairs and leave you by yourself. Why wouldn't you go with him, Jay? Go with him you'll be maybe safer the part where you know they're in the beach house and why is jay you know i know jay's the one who can see it but why even check to make sure it's still out there why don't you just run away every time you know there are so many times where she would look through the hole this thing just like kicked through a barn door or whatever and she'd go and check it out instead of running away so she could have like a spooky scare happen for us and i know this for the movie the scene in the pool when they ask her to go check to make sure it's dead in the pool that they push it in and they have all the electric appliances around there push all of those in the pool anyway just to make sure you're gonna try like try your plan it was that was the big frustration for me was mm. they had all these ideas and then they just didn't do any of them no, i think it was fine They're, these are like <laughs> eight, 17 18 19 20 year old kids they're not gonna think 
the way you do in that split second. <laughs> well, yeah. maybe adrenaline. And, <laughs> and I mean, like, a lot of the time, for most of the movie, they don't actually believe Jay. Or at least they, even if they do believe her, they don't see any of this until actually the beach scene. Like, none of them believe any of this until the beach. Yeah. So it's it's quite a ways in. I'm I'm thinking if, if your friend is kind of acting like that, yeah, something's wrong and you, you want to be supportive and there for them. But, like, they're telling you, oh, something's following me. Don't you see it? No, I don't see it. No, I don't see it, but how can I help I think you? you're schizophrenic or okay, something. Okay, well, here's you know? another. Yeah. I, I have to analyze this purely through the metaphor again. But, you know, okay, do you remember that scene right after Jay is back from her sexual encounter with Jeff? And she's standing in the bathroom and she's looking in her underwear, mm-hmm. right? Like she opens up her underwear to look in in a kind of more literal way of <laughs> seeing if there's any damage or any sort of There's also problems. a that this is maybe her first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So no. I think she, she mentioned she slept with Greg. Oh, that's school. right. That's right. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So there's a kind of fascination with her own body even right and and i think the metaphor is she's she's even though it's a terror like a if we think of the specter as disease or infection or or thing that's hidden in you that nobody else knows about there's kind of like a hidden fascination to check up on it even if it's something that terrifies you so right she's always kind of looking for it and then running away from it but then also kind of looking for it again and then running away from it and i don't know like i've had I don't know, you can take it to really mundane things. Like even right now, I've got like like this tiny little cut on my finger that probably won't get infected, but I'm looking at it sometimes just to like make sure and like see if it's changed or I don't know. We're fascinated with our own bodies, and uh, yeah, and even true. and in even if they even if you're scared of something like a potential. I don't know, tumor or... Hemorrhoid. Or a hemorrhoid. Yeah. Well, that's a bummer. <laughs> Anything like that. I th- yeah, like mosquito bites. You don't like it. You kind of... you you the, the mind is so divided in this way. You are scared of it, but you can't help but look at it at, mm, at the yeah, same time. Yeah, it's like that whole... Yeah. When there's a car accident, you yeah. don't want to look, but when you drive yeah. by, you're still going to be like... Whoa. Exactly. And, I, and, you know, like I... You get a cut on your somewhere and you look at it, even if you don't, even if you're kind of scared of it. And I think that that's kind of what Jay is, is all like she, she's terrified of the specter, but she's always looking for it. And, and that's maybe contributes to some of her bad decisions. Okay. (laughs) I mean, also she's looking for it because it'll kill her. Yeah. To kill her. Yeah. 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 That's true. I can't take anything in this movie on its own two feet, (laughs) so to speak. The literal demonic haunting is so thin and there's no backstory and there's no sense of why shooting it in the head sometimes works but then at the end doesn't but then does but then doesn't again so it's like or i think it just you could does get, for a little bit i think you could get knotted in, in i am knotted in ropes if you're trying to analyze this movie at that level so that's, i'm not even going to try that's where i am right now <laughs> i'm i'm purely at the metaphor level with this movie okay well maybe that's my problem i'm just like i want to figure this out and i can't but I don't think there's enough info in the movie to help you figure it out. Yeah, and that's maybe just my m- me being, you know, questioning and wanting to know and tell me. Tell me the answer. But that scene in the bedroom, the first time it gets close enough to her when she sees the the lady in the kitchen, that is a really arresting scene because it's this lady who looks like she's been beaten up and she's her clothing is all torn and then she's peeing all over the carpet you know, like Regan in Exorcist. Mm. <laughs> and then the scene, the the doorway scene, 
where it's her friend Yara knocking on the door, and then we see just the tallest man in the entire universe yes. looming out of the shadows behind her. That was uh, definitely cause for a big, big old jump. And then we saw, I think we saw that man one more time mm-hmm. at the beach house when he walked past the window. We just saw shoulders, and that was, yeah, that was when you, we got a, we got. A, there seemed to be two sort of modes of the specter there was the following mode where it was all white clothing and relatively unharmed person and then when you got attacked there was a lot of nudity and the people didn't look okay yeah. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and so i wondered yeah yeah I, I'd, I'd have to kind of rewatch the certain scenes but you know how when jeff warns her it, it, it can take the form of people like anybody people you care about or anybody so there's a couple of them so jeff's mom is the naked lady from when she first sees her right oh yeah she the entity is yara at the beach for a little bit yep it's greg for a little bit when it's going to kill greg yeah it's greg when it goes to kill greg it's greg's mom when When it actually kills kills Greg. greg yeah and it turns back to Greg. Freud was right. When it's at the pool, it's her father. Mm-hmm. Who's not in the picture. Who, yeah. We don't get an assumed explanation is, for yeah, that. He's out of it. It's a little boy at one point when it's yeah, trying it's to the get creepy, in. Yeah, it's the creepy neighbor kid. Neighbor kid. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. we see him looking. Yeah, he throws the dodgeball. He throws the dodgeball at the, the window, and then he's crouching on the roof to peer into her bathroom window. He's looking at her in the pool, and then he's kind of zombified and screaming at yeah. her. Yeah, so... I, I wonder, I, like, this is one of those ones where I have to rewatch it, but I think the old lady, when she sees in the school, might have been a picture of her grandmother, one of those pictures that you see in the house. Okay, sure. But I can't confirm. I just think. I would suspect. I just wonder what the thought process of the demon is at that point where it's it goes, uh, okay, so I tried old lady, and it, she got scared and ran away, so maybe I'll try one of her friends next and see if that works. And Oh, nope, that didn't work either. I'll try boy. Let's see if that works. It just like cycles. Time for naked man on the roof. What about naked man standing on roof? Is that going to do it for you? No, that's well, hereditary. I wonder if there's any tie-in, too, of like um, when you're scared of a stigma, like the different people that might you're scared of i don't know or hmm. who you might be letting down or because it it does seem to be all people that either are known by jay or by people also had this thing happen to them and okay as opposed to like i mean in a sense you just don't care as much if strangers know maybe oh maybe but, yeah but okay so this is one of my favorite parts about this movie actually all right is it's gonna come after you until it kills you like there's no stopping it unless you send it to mars yeah well, yeah. So the only way to keep yourself safe is to pass it on to someone else, as yeah. shitty as that is. But it's exactly what Jeff did at the start of the film when he passes it on to Jay. You want to best equip that person and let them know exactly what they're <laughs> yeah, dealing with. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. It's <laughs> true. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really fucked up, but it, it's in your best interest to have them fully prepared, have them know 100%. So it's not like you want to pass it to any random person and not tell them because you would never know when it would come to when you. When it got them. I think it, it's... Well, Im- that didn't, that, didn't that happen with Paul at the very end? It's implied... It's a sex Im- worker. Well, it's implied a couple times. So the first time, it's implied that she passed it on to those three three guys on the boat. We don't know if it happened or not, but if she did do it, I don't think she would have told them. But... Yeah. And obviously, the same thing with Paul at the very end when he drives past the sex workers. We, it's not clear whether or not he did pass it to them, but if he did, I would assume he didn't tell them. 
and then that's kind of leaves like the ending where you think there's someone following them at the very end <laughs> right mm. <laughs> again the logic gets so weird if you really try to parse it out the best way to survive is to have every single person on the planet fuck every other person on the planet <laughs> in a line. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, if you're the last one, that ah, sucks to be you. You got the short end of the stick there, but... It's like a pyramid scheme, <laughs> yeah, where it's, it's like true. you got to keep, you know, getting a, getting people below you, yeah, and then yeah, eventually exactly. get more It's rewards. totally a pyramid scheme. <laughs> it's a line scheme, though, right? It's a line scheme, yeah. yeah. It's, but it's like, but it's, you, we, we use the line, the only way to be safe from it, it's not safe from it. It's, it's just, just kicking the can delayed down the road. from yeah. it. You're never safe from it, and yeah. to be safe from it, you need to pass it on, and to be even more safe from it, you need to tell the person you pass it on exactly what it is. And to be the safest from it, just never, ever have sex with anyone. That's right. This movie's all about uh, celibacy. Or, like, encouraging the person who you pass it on to to go quickly pass it on to someone else. Which is and then what, tell them to quickly pass it on well, to Which is what else. Jeff tells her to do. It's yeah. like, just, just pass it on to somebody. You're a girl. It'll be really easy, right? Like, he says that to her. So, I think... It's the worst game of hot potato. Yeah. <laughs> hot potato, hot potato, hot potato. There's your Arrested Development. That won't be the last Arrested Development <laughs> reference. Ooh, there we go. <laughs> it's a hard movie to figure out logically. And, and I want to. And <laughs> motively, because we, we don't know anything about why this specter exists. And so I think it's a rabbit hole that you could apply any meaning you wanted to in the universe itself. But... Again, I, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself now, but the, the metaphor is powerful, especially with stigma and loneliness. So there's a song I love by a band called Brand New called The Quiet Things That No One Ever Knows. And that's always been a really powerful motif in my life. Or like, what are the little things going on in someone else's life that nobody else knows about? Oh, interesting. And what if I knew about them or they knew that about me, how might that bond us? in a way because a lot of the best bondings i've had with people in my life and friends are those little kind of idiosyncratic serendipitous things we find out about each other that aren't on the surface Hmm. right and the shadow side of those kind of things i think is portrayed really really well in this movie is there's these things that jay is going through that she just can't explain to her closest people right and they desperately want to know it, and they can't. There's just like a a, a, a thick curtain, like an iron curtain, <laughs> that can't be penetrated one way or the other. And just the, the... well, there's one way it can be <laughs> well, penetrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that spoke to me. That really did. It's like okay, oh, just yeah. like that. The quiet things that no one ever knows. So like, it can be a, an affliction. Like I don't know if you've heard of tinnitus before, but it's yeah. like a, the ringing of the ear. No, I haven't heard of it. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> you could explain that to me, and I can. I've had ringing in my ears, but to imagine it's there all the time. I just yeah. can't comprehend that. As like someone else with tinnitus only could. It reminds right? me a lot of gender dysphoria, which is yeah. something I go through a lot of times, and a lot of you know people who are gender diverse. Mm-hmm. You know. People who don't have gender dysphoria don't understand what it's like to have gender yeah, dysphoria. Yeah, so and but but there's like there's a desperation on the people who care about Jay mm-hmm. to know. Yeah. But they just can't. They just there's can't. just there's like an axiom or a categorical divide yeah. between them that is tragic. It is. It's tragic yeah. and it's and in the negative sense, very well portrayed in this movie, it can be disease, but it can just be loneliness, right? Like there's a there's a loneliness. The, the themes of this movie, I think, are its best parts. 
and the theme yeah. of loneliness is very palpable and the fear of that loneliness as manifested through and maybe the fear of yeah. loneliness eventually becoming the thing that you will have to deal with all the time you yeah. know because it always comes back you will if you feel like you're alone and lonely and you have have this loneliness then you you eventually maybe push people away and then you are lonely and it's self-fulfilling in that sense and, okay, and you're talking to me around on this movie, friends. Well, it's interesting because Jay has to literally run away from her problem. Yes. <laughs> I think she, there's she, a metaphor there, too, just right? Just literally run away and yeah. literally pass it off. Yes. Like, this is now your problem. And it never works. In any, like, in the, I mean, it's inevitable in the movie, but in the long term in life, that never works either. No. Right? And, I mean, we're only supposed to get a sense of completion when they stand up to it and beat it in the pool, right? Now... I don't know exactly what it's supposed to mean that it's still haunting them at the end. I'm not smart enough to figure out that part of it. It but... was it's ambiguous. Right. You don't know if it actually like the entity actually died and is done for, which is why mm-hmm. you know they have sex at the end and then there's the scene where Paul drives by the sex workers and then it's ambiguous whether the thing when they're walking down the street at the very end is is the entity following is, is the specter or just a rando yeah mm-hmm. exactly. yeah it's it's kind of you know the end of inception with the spinning top you don't <laughs> yeah, really true, know yeah, if yeah, it's yeah. a dream or real maybe, yeah i get it it could be either way the positive is that at least now jay has someone who can get it with her <laughs> like understand see mm-hmm. see the specter as well like now paul could see it presumably right if it didn't die yes if yes, it didn't die yeah. and that would be a thing where for the rest of your life you would think it could be moments away no matter what, you know, and there's no way to prove that it's gone. The only way to prove anything is that it's there and attacking you. And, you know, the, 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 the impossibility of proving a negative, I think is the, mm. the logic, right? Like I, you can't prove to me that it's gone forever because it could still come back. Mm-hmm. And yeah, 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 the only way to ever be sure that it's gone forever is to completely isolate yourself. That way, when you finally see something, you know that it's not gone. There's that, I think, that scene when they confront Jeff and they talk to him and they're all sitting there and then he's like, do, do, you, do any of you see that girl? And they're yeah. like, yeah, we see her. Yeah, we see her. And he was so freaked out by that because he knows it's still out there. He knows that it's going to eventually come down to him. And trying to, trying to live your life scared of other people, mm. especially this thing that can take the form of anybody, Right? I think that's a great point, Alex, because that also adds another layer to the symbolism of like, if this is some like these, this thing that you might be going through, it starts making you scared of things that aren't that thing yeah, as well. Absolutely. Right. Like yeah. it extends beyond the, the threshold of what it should scare you into things that look like it, but aren't right. And you don't, and then you start not trusting your own mind, which is, you know, there is something Lovecraftian in that from a horror perspective so that's interesting too actually it is interesting yeah okay but what if in sexy van helsing movie (laughs) right the person who has the disease is the van helsing character and then they have no morals so they sleep with somebody Mm. and then stake it out to see if they try a new way to kill the specter wow as bait with their their partners and then that doesn't work they have to drive away and try again i feel like that's uh that's like the fifth or sixth installment of the sequel then it just becomes looper (laughs) oh god no <laughs> oh. Listen, sexy Van Helsing ghost hunter is gonna be a thing, and copyright nothing to fear. Twenty twenty. Hope Keanu Reeves plays him. 
Yeah, me too. We got to remember that see, this is a written written and directed by movie, which okay. means this is a single, om, om, like mostly a single person vision creatively, which means that this guy had a story he wanted to tell and he told it the way he wanted to, both script and cinematography, well, like visually, right? Sure. And so it's kind of like, uh, I heard the term today, art horror or, or art house horror, kind of, right? I thought you said art horror, like a person who whores art. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, art horror. <laughs> the rural horror. The rural horror. Art house horror. Ah, yes. Art, art house horror, right? Okay. And, and I think when a, like, same with Hereditary being written and directed by, same with The Witch. Like, the, 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 the two movies that this movie reminds me the most of in its thematic are Hereditary and The Witch. And I think it's because it's a single person's vision to make that style of tense movie that is often about the themes way more than it would be about the scares or the things that a production studio might expect an audience to come for. Sure. Right? More mainstream stuff is going to be have more mainstream stuff in it, right? Which is going to they be, have bigger it, budgets and a lot more. It's bigger budgets, which is eventually going to dilute it into a more kind of lower common denominator type of genre, right? It's hard to have a super creative mind fuck of a of a blockbuster horror movie <laughs> yeah because then you get giant you know thick spider crab pennywise yeah messing up most of it chapter two yeah exactly. for an hour and a half and you're like i don't want to see more cgi crab legs yeah, thanks exactly so that's i think it's an interesting thing to think about like i when i see written and directed by i'm thinking okay this is a theme based movie probably mm. more than a story or character based movie sure so yeah I would, as a as a as a person who tends to try to find logic in as many things as possible, I feel like I need to, not necessarily a spoiler, but just maybe go in with the knowledge of, hey, this is going to be more theme based instead of story based, or this is going to be a more comedy one. Don't try to, don't try to put logic on it. And I mean, and, obviously, there's all of the very basic metaphor around STIs. Yes. <laughs> right? that, is like the, that, would, that is I the, haven't commented too much on that because it's so in your face. Right? That's the very surface layer where they're like, this one's about a ghost. And then you take off the sheet the ghost is wearing. And it's just a man holding a sign that says, this movie is about STIs. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah, he flips yeah. the sign over and says, actually, it's a theme movie about depression. If you're if you're a person living with an STI at some point, I I, I would imagine it's a similar feeling. Mm. Or it could be, right? And that sucks. It's hard. I, I don't even know what to say, you know? I mean, maybe in the some way, in, in the way that some STIs are cyclical, like mm-hmm. herpes is what I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah, like, exactly. It can go away for a while, but one day, just, mm-hmm. ah, damn, there it is. It's back again. Now I have yeah. to go. And if it. you think about it, even from that perspective, Spectre as STI, having to tell... <laughs> I mean, imagine if Jeff says to Jay, look, Jay, I like you a lot, okay? I really do. And I want to be with you. But there's this thing. If I sleep with you, this thing's going to try to kill you. Are you still interested? <laughs> you know, like, it is it is a bombshell thing like that, I would imagine, right? It's a big piece of consent. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I just, I, I, I think I have a large amount of natural human sympathy for people who would be in that kind of situation, mm. which would, and I have a large amount of natural human sympathy for Jay in this movie. So I also wonder why the woman he saw in the theater had a yellow dress when all the specters we saw were in white clothing or by and large. 
maybe every person sees a different color clothing palette. I don't know. Because I don't think we see... No, no, we do. We only see... We see Jeff seeing the entity once at the very beginning with Jay. But yeah. it's a naked person, right? It's a naked person. Maybe it was just a person who was in a in a yellow dress and then she left. And that's when Jay couldn't see it. And then it freaked him out because he's being followed by it follows. There, here's a gab of logic in this movie. Why can the the specter be seen by all everyone in the lineage, but it's only trying to kill the most recent one? Huh? Mm-hmm. Riddle me this, movie maker. You get an STI once, it sticks with you for life. Metaphorically. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I, I guess. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, because there's a scene where she goes to try to save Greg, and it's knocking on the door to Greg's room, and she, you know, chokes at it, and then it looks at her, and they can tell that they see each other, and the the specter who's in the shape of Greg's mom just kind of looks at her in a in a gaze that says, "I will get you in a minute," and then proceeds to go kill Greg while she stands there for too long instead of driving away faster or running away faster. That was an unnerving scene because it's Greg's mom and she's killing him while also grinding on his crotch. So unnecessary. And then breaks his neck or something. I did like how this movie was very clearly from Jay's perspective because you don't actually see the entity until Jay gets it. That's true. I, I mean, you could argue that when they're at the restaurant at the very start on their date, there's something walking towards, but that's not clear. But all the all the shots before... Is there well, something walking towards at the restaurant? There is something. Ah, cool. It's, it's like, I missed it. Like, see, that's another great thing I loved about this movie is you never knew if there was something walking towards something. Yeah. Just based on the camera angles, the panning, the blurring, like the focusing in and out of vision. Sure, yeah. You might see something that a character doesn't notice. The character will see something that you aren't even shown. So at the very start, when Annie runs out of the house in her high heels and you know does the hundred meter dash, <laughs> you don't see you don't see what she's running from. No, right? And no one else sees it. The, the her her neighbor's like, "You okay, Annie?" And then her dad is like, "You okay, Annie?" And she just runs in a circle, and the camera keeps following her, but you don't actually see the thing. And she drives away, and and then the same same thing with Jeff in the theater. You don't actually you as the audience member don't see yeah. the pers- the girl in the yellow dress. So I, I really liked how it was fully from Jay's perspective and Jay's point of view. Until that pool shot. At before, even though, at the beach, um. where it, we see it's a shot of Jay and we see the hair get lifted up. Mm, yeah. And then, you know, she gets pulled and we see Paul try to hit it with yeah. a lawn chair and then he gets thrown back. I think that was the point of the film where Jay's friends realizes things real yeah they they saw as much as they could yeah and then the scene in the pool where she's not or she's she's in the in the water and paul is telling her to point at where it is well but i think that this is what the genius of that particular shot was that this was after after we'd seen this entity or a specter for most of the movie through jay's perspective as the audience we're actually now seeing it through her friend's perspective Mm -hmm. right by by not seeing it we're seeing what they're seeing instead of seeing what she's seeing which lends, because of the way that this movie then builds empathy for Jay for us, we're like, oh my gosh, this thing's hunting her. Holy fuck. Why can't you help her better? Like, even though we cognitively know, I think emotionally we know then when we see, oh, they, how can they believe her exactly right. when they can never see this thing? Mm-hmm. It, it struck me as a nice simulation of pain it must be for her friends to see her suffering, but not be able to see, literally see why. Yeah, you know, like they they can't see what's making her cry, what's making her crumble, what's making her feel this way, right? And that shot really 
is a nice touch of that, I thought. Where it's like, yeah, where you're just pointing at the air. Mm. What? And so the fact that they're even there to help her with none of this other evidence, I think, is an interesting way of showing deep friendship for someone who can't prove it, as it were. Yeah, the idea that we believe you, no ma- even though we can't fully understand 100, yeah. 110% what's We want happening. to be in this with you, but it's hard without... And I think people can relate to that. Like, it's hard... To- I feel it with kids sometimes at work. I I want to feel for you, but it's hard if I don't really know what you're talking about or I don't see the thing that you're pointing to as Mm. a difficult thing, you know? Interesting, yeah. Yeah. Just that that, that gap between wanting to help but just not feeling compelled through some sort of part of your emotion or or are you you losing it? Okay. That kind of... Yeah, like if you if you think about it in the real life sense, what are her friends supposed to think about what she's talking about if they can't see it? She's like screaming her ass off and running away from them and driving into the middle of nowhere to sleep overnight. Mm-hmm. For what exactly? <laughs> Obviously, the story from Jeff lends it some credence and the, the beach scene pulling the hair. But again, as metaphor, it's just oh, the, the way of... Because... Bel- her friends have to believe in her, right? Yes, they have to trust they, her. They trust her. They believe in her, even if they can't believe in what she's saying right now. You know what? It, just, show, it just shows how good of friends her sister and uh, Yara and Paul are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're exactly. Good they are good friends. Which is interesting because that's exactly who you need when you are feeling the quiet things that no one ever knows. <laughs> it's important to have people around you who will believe you no matter what, and it doesn't matter if... You know, you can say, I'm being crazy. This isn't real. They are not going to judge or question, even if they don't understand. They're just, hey, I'm here for you. And I'll help out how I can. You want to plug a bunch of toasters around a pool? You got it. I'm there. Let's get these extension cords, baby. I, that was a good shot, I think, for the movie. Mm. For, for us, the audience, to feel what her friends would be feeling a little bit there. I feel like we've kind of touched on some of the plot, and this might be early or whatever to transition into a different segment but I, we can maybe talk a little bit about the scariest part of the entire movie or spot him as <laughs> i have <laughs> acronymized it but what what spot on spot on spot on what were what was the scariest part for you the dodgeball hitting the window was the scariest part of the movie for me just a big jump yeah because it wasn't necessarily because the, the thing about this or... mo- yeah because the thing about this movie is right when jay gets the when when she gets the entity from Jeff and you see the naked woman walking towards, you know what this movie is about. And that happens in like the first 20 minutes of the movie. You know exactly what's going to be, the, what's the villain is. He explains everything. He's like, you can yeah. take on the form of anything. It, it Here's will, all the exposition in it one It only combo. walks, but it's not dumb. So like nothing about nothing about the entity itself actually scared me. So yeah, it was the, it was the dodgeball or the ball hitting the window. That was the scariest part of the movie for me. That was a scary one. What about you, Luke? What was your um, scariest part I know of the it's movie? like the cliche one of this film, but it's definitely the doorway scene in her house, in Jay's house upstairs. And I think, just, just for anyone who hasn't seen it, it deserves its own little explanation, is that what happens is her friend is on the other side of a locked door, and she says it's me, and at this point, her two other friends in the room with her still don't really believe that this is a thing. So they unlock the door, and we as the audience are totally primed to see the monster, the ed- the entity, the specter there, right? 
But we open the door and it's not. It's her friend, but only for like half a second because we see the the specter who's this ginormous man approaching from behind her. So you have fear to jump. Oh no, it's fine. Oh wait, fear again. Yeah. And then genius cinematography. They cut to Jay and you see Jay's reaction as she starts to get scrambly and running away. And then they cut in again to show her friend walking into the room and the giant specter being behind her and kind of like passing her, but again, in an uncanny way. Because we don't know if this thing can walk through people, but mm-hmm. it seems like it can't, right? Like they would feel it. It's a, It takes up physical space. It's just invisible. Yeah. But it just, no one can react. And there's like this six foot six man in a room that no one is reacting to. And it's yes. just there all of a sudden. And it's just like, I think it's even more than scary. It's definitely a creepy thing. It's just so fucking uncanny. And and so much of this movie does uncanny so well. Yeah. So and, that was the part that creeped me out the and, most. And those scenes in movies where somebody is invisible or, you know, the classic example is the Christmas Carol whenever Scrooge goes back in time and there's just scrooge and the ghost standing and looking at stuff and nobody's reacting around like all those scenes i always remember what it's like to the actors to just be like okay we're you know we're in this room and we're remember we're ignoring scrooge he's not even here and just keep acting around and so just to have only one person react to this giant looming in through the the door and everyone else to just be totally normal there is an impressive an impressive amount of ignore ants in this movie (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm, yes. yes i get it oh i'm leaving that entire pause in <laughs> that's that great that's a good one sorry for alex listeners for all listeners alex alex's face went from the most delicious of figuring out to the just the most beautiful smile and i appreciate yeah, it that's wonderful yes and that scene was very frightening it was the one that made me jump the most i think even even a little bit scarier than that you know even though the giant man was frightening and not unexpected because i was primed for it to be scary lady who she saw in the kitchen um which i don't know which form that took for jay but you know just seeing this lady who looked like she'd been beaten up she's like got missing teeth and you know her clothing is ripped and she's only got one sock on this this person approaching Jay, that was a big shock because there's just a whole world in why did this, you know, why did the specter choose this shape? What does this signify? And that was just really scary. And then she runs away from it and then it changes again. So I think, yeah, the doorway scene was scary, but that whole first encounter with this or the first encounter post Jeff with the specter was a big one. I guess the old lady was... Kind so the, the kitchen peeing the one. kitchen peeing one yeah, yeah. what do you think about the music i loved it it was so good it was it was so so good I, I liked the music how did you feel in relation to the movie it was so good i i don't know how to describe it first of all i i think it's pretty clear that i love this movie yeah you're coming in strong in favor so i think for me personally i i really like minimalist movies and this movie if you accept it the simple premise for what it is it's a very simple movie and it's very minimalist. Wouldn't have been expensive to make. No. Definitely um, the not. plot Absolutely is super simple. Not. The characters are super simple. They're not boring characters, but they're simple characters. And there's a little bit of background to them through just very simple and dialogue. The music fit 
everything so well the, the like the cinematography of the camera pans the in and out like the quick one second daytime nighttime or indoor outdoor looking at jay's face and now we're driving away you know things like that and i think the sound and music fit that so well in making this the ultimate minimalist movie that i really enjoyed so i think the music tied it in really well whether it was the really calm synths or the really plucky kind of Mm -hmm. different synths jerky i don't know to provoke some kind of yeah intense emotion scared emotion kind of do 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 yeah i it I, felt like the modern sounding 80s music right like it's 80s music with a modern sound i which i like it's a cool sound but it's very synth heavy and I, I know i brought it up already but the the sound of this movie the movie that reminded me the most of is blade runner but with the with the more modern sound, twenty forty nine Blade Runner. Sure, yeah, more more specifically like that. And again, Blade Runner is a unbelievably uncanny film. So I think that's. I wonder if it's an accident or if mm. uh, it was done intentionally. It reminded me of Tron without the drums. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's it good. was it. The music in this movie served to really throw me off a lot because. Yes, the whole time I watched this movie, I was trying to figure it out, which maybe we could argue I shouldn't have tried to do so hard. But the the music was one of those points that was very confusing. And it wasn't that the music was bad. It, was enter- it, was, it wasn't entertaining. I wouldn't be downloading the soundtrack or anything and just putting it on as a workout mix. But it was, it was cool because it didn't seem to sync up with what was happening in the movie. It was often very... I, I, I felt like the emotions of it were kind of skewed to when it was something somber there was almost a brighter soundscape playing when it was you know when it was tense there was the long tense droney things and and you build your attention but it kept me off balance and not knowing what to expect in this movie which is i think as we've talked about i think the whole point of this movie is just to you know this isn't what you're gonna expect and you know watch out because it could follow after you (laughs) I think this movie is going to stick with me. I think this movie will it follow me for a while because... I hope you can withstand it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I think it's going to it's gonna ruminate around. It's going to percolate in my brain. And, and even though it won't ever be a movie that I can say, okay, this is reason A, B, C through Z of why this thing happens, but take it more on its metaphorical points and... It's interesting. This is the this is this is the kind of movie that makes me a little bit sad we don't do follow-up episodes to some of our movies cuz there's be times when I'm editing or I'll listen to it after like a couple months after it's come out and I'll have a revelation that oh, I should have talked about this or I should have I should have mentioned that or this is maybe what I meant <laughs> and I didn't get my point across clearly enough but that's not how we I guess we'll we just have to try and know these things sooner. <laughs> Yeah. Come on, brain. Just get it. Well, okay. Here's here's a good example of that. But before talking about this movie, I would have mentioned... Oh, sorry. Before talking to the two of you about this movie, I would have been more annoyed at the editing and just the kind of the, the, the disjointed, disjuncted, isolating feel of the scenes. Like, I feel like we'd get a scene with like th- three lines and then a whole different scene. And I'm like, what the hell is the point of that scene? <laughs> right? And, and and again, from a narrative structure, I don't think either. But then thinking about this more thematically, I'm like, well, the, the, the disjointed feel of the scenes 
can maybe map on to how Jay is feeling, right? Yeah. Like we're getting a kind of a simulation of her feelings through the way that now, now if the scenes don't strike you that way, then this is a meaningless observation for, mm. for that person. Right. But for me, the scene struck me that way. I was like, I like this movie, but these scenes are weird. Like, why are we getting a whole new setting at a different time of day for two sentences? Like, what is that adding to the story at mm-hmm. all? Why do we but, have a scene of a girl reading a book on a couch for a minute and a half and then that's it? Yeah. You know, what's going on with Yara? But but I think that kind of feeling of being kind of a little bit lost, right? Like <laughs> losing the plot yeah. a little bit, literally in this case, is probably a symptom of the kind of loneliness that is a the theme of this movie anyway. Hmm. So... I, I'm choosing to see it that way and, and feel better about the editing and the pacing than I might normally without that interpretation of the movie. Hmm. Yeah. My interpretation of those is, you know, with this, with it following Yara or not Yara, <laughs> following Jay this whole time and her knowing it's still out there somewhere, but not knowing how far it is, where it is exactly and being constantly having to be on her guard and that kind of stress I don't know. I've, I've felt it like this myself where days can kind of blur by and a whole day can pass. And I'm like, what happened in this day? And that, that yeah. kind of sim- like the, <laughs> right. the, the way that the narrative showed with these two second shots or, you know, a lot of disjointed stuff kind of, it makes that, it made me feel that way about when someone is so stressed about, about something or they're worrying about something or they know something is coming for them. You know, the time just blends together and you don't have like a really synchronized or well-told timeline in your head and things just pop in and out that's 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 how i interpreted it yeah and i like that i think that's why i really liked it liked it that it did that it was an extra layer of it's an extra layer of storytelling Mm -hmm. oh for sure i mean the most obvious movie i think that does this is memento where it being told backwards it's kind of helps the audience feel what it would be like to be leonard and I think the editing of this movie, It Follows, does that a little bit too. It's like, this is maybe what it's like right now to be there was, Jay. There was also some of those camera shots where, especially when she was in the, the wheelchair at the start, where it was pulling focus between her and the background. Yeah. And it was this really shaky effect. Right. And it kind of gave you the sense that, yeah, this is, she's she's drugged and her vision is not set and she's kind of unsteady and the, the camera work really... Mm-hmm. reflected that so yeah i think every part of this movie was for which, the metaphor down to the design and which filming is what and you shots can do and... if it's a written and directed by yeah <laughs> right you when you get a, a film dictator on set <laughs> you can make a really really fucking good movie <laughs> when you get an auteur yeah but uh, yeah so i think we should talk about our ratings mm. and what we're going to give this one and i'll go i'll go first because all right i actually wrote down a rating at the end ah. and the rating i wrote was 2.5 because i was annoyed and frustrated and confused but average uh, average it's a a middle of the road is a fine movie but actually talking about it i'm going to bump up the thing i put down i'm going to give it a full uh, not a full an extra half point so it's a a three out of five for me a full half point a full (laughs) half point it comes in points (laughs) what are we rating it out of do you mean it falls in points oh what are we rating it out of out of oh uh, out of exposed mom boobs no <laughs> how about clam ebooks oh, oh yeah good one. clam little clam ebooks i like that so three clam ebooks out of five clam ebooks 
And that's not like a book that's kind of sweaty, like a clammy book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a clamshell electronic book, which I wanted to know what that was the whole time. What are you reading on? Is it a phone? Is it an e-reader? I think it was an e-reader. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've never seen one like that before. I think Luke should go next. Okay, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Something we didn't really talk about that I'm going to include into my rating because I think it is worth having on the podcast is the kind of how hard it was to to kind of nail down what time period this movie took place in. Absolutely, yeah. Because there were modern cars, but then there were cars from the 70s as well. The TVs looked like they were from the 70s and the 80s, but then, like, does this clam ebook exist in the 80s? Not really, they, right? They didn't watch a movie from before 1941, it looked like. Exactly. The, all the phones were from the 80s, it looked like, but their clothes looked modern day, and the houses looked pretty new. So I wanted to include that, too, as I think the ambiguity of the time period helps with the metaphor of, like, these issues are timeless for people, right? Like, these struggles are out of time for the people in the movie in, in the human condition. The loneliness, the disease, the, the stigmas, the, the fear of all of that. It doesn't really matter when you are because they'll come anytime, right? And it follows. It doesn't matter. It could be today. It could be 50 years. It's still walking towards you, right? Mm. So I think that that was mirrored nice in the, in the ambiguity of the sets uh, for when this movie took place. But my rating, I, I'm going to give this movie a 3.75 clam ebooks okay. out of a clam ebook because it's it's a very solid, it, it, it's going to stick with me. I'm going to think about it more because even just talking about it, there's a couple more scenes that came to mind that have made me like it more mm. based on other interpretations we've gotten out of talking about it so 3.75 out of 5 maybe the time the the time period confusion of it is because the director was actually from a far distant future who's time traveled back and he's <laughs> right. made this movie but he doesn't know what yeah. technology yeah, they yeah, had yeah. in the 20th century or early 21st century right. <laughs> and, <it's, laughs> and someone from like 3,000 years in the future the 1950s to now is like that's eh, close enough yeah it's like <laughs> when you see a period piece from medieval England it's like they didn't have that kind yeah, of yeah. catapult or whatever you like know? yeah well yeah like for us it's like is that from 1320 or from 1380 we're like, who the fuck cares? <laughs> yeah. So that's my new theory. This this man is future director, and this movie got sent back in time. But out of clamshell ebooks, Alex, what are you giving this one? Yeah. So I'll I'll kind of go in some background first. So I think close to the start of this, you kind of mentioned Luke mentioned it. It felt kind of like a coming of age movie, and within a horror movie, and I that really resonated with me, and I totally feel that way. And then Billy, you mentioned how it felt kind of Garden Statey, which is coincidentally one of my favorite movies of all time so I think this kind of movie really stuck with me because it's the exact kind of style that I love in movies it was a great minimalist movie it's very simple plot very simple characters very simple setting but intriguing and I think narratively it I thought personally it did a perfectly narrated movie I I love the the cinematography, the music, the characters were all appealing to me even someone as minor as Yara who probably didn't do much i was like yara's cool i want yara to be my friend i want to hang out with yara yeah exactly she's fun and just little bits of dialogue that kind of give you a little bit more background into the characters while still keeping it you know open to interpretation i I think some examples are when you briefly get a little bit of history on paul and jay's relationship and you know obviously they're childhood friends and when they're sitting on the couch talking you get a little bit of background into that and you get a little bit, bit of background just by 
even that one scene when she's in the pool and her sister Kelly is like, who is it? What do you see? And she's like, I don't want to tell you. And it's because it's her dad or their dad. That one simple liner adds so much more depth to these characters that doesn't have to be explained. And that's something I really, really like in movies. I don't like over-explaining things. I actually, Once again, that's why I wasn't the biggest fan of... What's that Ethan Hawke one we watched? Sinister? Oh, yeah. yeah. Sinister, I think yeah. over-explaining is probably the worst thing you can do in a movie. I'd much rather you under-explain things than over-explain things. This is almost a near-perfect movie for me. And I'm going to give it 4.85 Clam E-books. Whoa. Wow. 4.85. And this, this is just purely from a movie point of view. I think the plot <laughs> itself is really... And the, and the metaphors and themes are quite can, can be quite deep. This is just simply a surface level... I, th- I would give it that, but then on top of all these things that we've discussed, I, th- I think it's close to a perfect movie. Awesome. I think the most unrealistic part of this is uh, Michigan's healthcare system. Like, did you see how quickly she was in the hospital after getting <laughs> shot? Burn. Yeah, take that. <laughs> no, the most unrealistic part of this movie was how the entire outside of the pool was abandoned, but the inside of the pool was completely pristine. It looked like a 1950s psych ward yes it looked <laughs> right? like it would have, would have been an abandoned mental hospital yeah. i think what about shutter <laughs> island here like what the hell i think this movie would speak to a lot of people that actually live in michigan huh? um if because you're from michigan let us know yeah and also one more thing i want to add is i would be really curious to hear the thoughts of someone who actually has an sti and has gone through these things and what they thought about the movie because i think if their opinion would be more valid than ours in term, if, if if we're looking at it at that kind of a perspective, if you are willing to share, that'd be yeah, yeah, yeah. wonderful. Please don't very feel much pressure great. to uh, to divulge. <laughs> we are not going to go bad housing yeah. looking yeah. for people with STIs right now. Yes. Do not give out any more information than you want. I have a question for you. Would you watch this movie again? Yeah, I said I like it more every time I watch it. I would hundred percent watch this movie again. I think I probably would, not for a while, but if I did, it would be very intentionally, but it would be like watching scene by scene to catch every single thing that the filmmaker could be intending This is a, This is another good film to watch in film class. Yes. Yeah. So n- maybe like with another person for the first time in like a year or two years, and maybe to study more, but just to like, oh, it's on, I might as well. Probably not. Mm, right? Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd watch it to study it. Yeah. If if I'm sitting at home and I'm thinking, what movie do I want to watch? I'm probably going to check on Empire Strikes Back. Just, just oh, kind of, yes. you know. We just... almost forgot Star Wars. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and here I always feel like I could take on the whole empire myself. <laughs> All right, Dak. <laughs> yeah. This is an inauspicious start for me. <laughs> so I'm, yeah, I'm not going to throw it on just to watch for fun. I'm definitely going to. I would say I won't ever watch it again, but I would have to watch it with somebody who wanted to watch it. And But further to your point of the classroom, just as a, a very tangential segue, I feel like there is a whole field of study to be parsed behind classroom scenes in horror movies because mm. there's always a bit of setup where a teacher who is usually off screen is narrating something, and it's always a snippet of you know often it's a famous poem or poem or philosophy or greek tragedy and i always wish i knew if it was an intentional you know the thing that they talk about in this play is something that has a direct bearing on the movie Uh, the thing that 
is being talked about in you know the classroom scenes in Hereditary. Does that have a pay? Like, is there mm. a pay? I mean, you know, there, there's there's <laughs> okay. there's one they're talking about a sacrifice and the, the that family being this is not the hereditary podcast that one was two hours long you can listen to that one it's great but they talk about a sacrifice in that family is a sacrifice to this demon god so anyway there's there has to be knowledge of classroom scenes in horror movies and what they mean yeah. to the larger movie that reminds me of an addendum to my answer of what i watched this movie again before i watch this movie again i will reread the idiot by dostoevsky <laughs> to figure out why that was in this movie yes <laughs> Because I've read it before, but it was a long time ago, and I, be, seeing as probably very little on this of this movie was on accident. Why was why was uh, Yara reading that book in this mm-hmm. movie? And I can't really remember why. I remember that Mishkin, I think his name is, is the idiot, and he's more like a simpleton than an idiot. And I wonder what the connection would be because, given how much thought clearly has went into this movie, it can't be an accident that he chose that famous Absolutely. novel as the one she's reading. So yeah, so. That's exciting. Maybe if you know the answer to that question, Look, get a hold of us too. We want people to interact with us on our DMs. So you can do that by commenting on the podcast, letting us know. We ask these random questions. This is not just out into a vacuum. If you know, let us know. Uh, you know, let us know anything. Let us know what you're cheering, which is a great segue Whoa! to the next segment. <laughs> Something to cheer with nothing to fear. We need jingles too. Something to be excited about. Something to be excited about. Luke, what are you being excited about? Mm, so... This is might strike people as kind of silly, but growing up, I was never allowed to read Harry Potter for the obvious latent Satanism in Witchcraft and Wizardry. <laughs> but David, my cousin, and I have decided to do the Harry Potter books on our other podcast, Really True Fiction, not all seven in a row, but over time. So I'm reading the books for the first time ever. And I've seen the movies, so I know the story, but I've never read the books, except maybe Half-Blood Prince. And so I just finished like a week ago, and we haven't recorded yet. We're going to record very soon, Chamber of Secrets. And I'm blown away. It's like a perfect book. It's so good. The The story resolves. So it's just like, I feel like, like at age 33, I'm getting the kind of rush, the Harry Potter rush that everyone got 20 years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm feeling quite ecstatic about, and again, this is, the the story that Harry Potter reminds me the most of is Star Wars because yeah, of absolutely. how archetypally similar they are. It's very hero's journey. Yes. And that's so great. I mean, I that yeah, I wish I could have I could still have a lot of muster and joy for mm. Harry Potter, but recent views held by the author of that series have made me mm. uh, have to take a break from it for a little while, but it's right. very exciting to hear somebody experiencing it for the first time and so well, if you just put it in the realm of the story, it, the basilisk and the phoenix and the um, there's good lore in those the books. D- the deep deep mythical motifs are so awesome, and I wouldn't have got them as a kid, right? So in a way, I'm even getting more out of it mm-hmm. by reading it now. So yeah, that's yeah. my that's my something to cheer. Cool, Alex, what do you cheer? I'm cheering for you know all the candy that I have in my desk at work. <laughs> Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> keep it's keeping me through the days, and there's a lot of candy, and I like candy. <laughs> Why is there bum, so bum, much candy bum, in your bum, drawer? Because <laughs> it was Halloween. Like, did you get given it or did you buy it? We bought it. Oh, oh, like your company bought it? No, we bought it for 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 snacksies. Oh, like, did you go to the store November first and second? And no, we actually went up? to the store probably back in September, and then we went again in October, 
and then we went again. And now you're ready to Halloween. get Ferrero Rochers because it's Christmas time. You know, I'm, I'm I'm not a fan of the Christmas. You candies. don't like a ferocious Roger? They're a little they're a little too round for me. Then <laughs> oh, didn't mean it. I mean, you know, sure you can take it whatever whatever you. I just however like, you want. It's a weird uh, bugbear to uh, have for ferocious Roger. Man, I don't like the spherical nature of it. Yeah, fuzzy peaches, you know, sour patch oh, yeah. kids, Swedish berries, <laughs> Swedish fish. You like a candy, not a chocolate. I like a candy more than a chocolate. Yeah, same. Yeah. Same, same, same. Cheering cool. candy. Cheering candy. I've eaten That's a lot great. of candy in the last month. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> my cheer this week is actually another podcast that I started listening to. It came out right around the start of quarantine, but it's called The Bananas Podcast. And it is a weekly dose of weird news from all around the world. And the two hosts just read news headlines that are completely bananas, completely off the wall. And just hearing, just just seeing the two friends, they, they sometimes have a guest, but just having them play off each other. It is one, it's a podcast that I have listened to that I have laughed out loud in public very loudly while, you know, it was playing because it is such a treat and a delight. So the Bananas podcast, if you haven't downloaded it, absolutely could do that. The the Banana Boys are doing a great job every single week. <laughs> Do they wear pajama boys? I don't know if they wear pajama boys, but we could uh, we can call them on their banana phone. They have a they have a phone and they give out a phone uh, number. Ring, that you, ring. Can call. you can call and you will you can talk to one of the hosts for exactly one minute and then he hangs up on you. I am yet to call it because I'm too afraid. But one day I will call the banana phone of the Bananas Podcast. So yeah, that's what I'm cheering. Oh, that's a good one. That is something to cheer. <laughs> But we're going to wrap it up for another week here at the Nothing to Fear podcast. Before we do, we have no Apple reviews, no no five-star reviews to read this week, which, you know, is fine, I guess. It's fine. You don't have to send us a review. But if you, if you have a spare minute and you haven't sent us a, a review and give us five stars while you're at it, it really helps the show grow. It really helps us rise up the charts and more people find up, which is... Uh, a really, really super easy way to support the show. So if you haven't given us a review, head on over to Apple Podcasts, chuck us five stars, give us a one or two sentence thing, and, and we'll love you forever. Guaranteed. But there are a couple. I have been getting some interact. Nope. We're we loving are everyone that forever. cheap. <laughs> we are that cheap. Listen, if you want to feed our egos, all it costs you is five stars on iTunes. <laughs> My ego's hungry. <laughs> yeah. But I want to thank a couple of people, some friends of the podcast who listen every single week and just talking to talking to them about episodes is fun. Danica has been really great on the on the DMs. So thank you. Kelly, of course, my girlfriend listens every week and not because she's my girlfriend, but, you know. Who's her favorite host? <laughs> Me. Uh, Alex. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She might say you, Kelly, yeah. but, yeah, we know, we all know. but we know. Alex is there as her. So thank you to everyone who listens. Also, I got a tweet from somebody, and I can't find it now, which really bummed me out because I really tried to find it to find the name. But you just quoted at me a, a line from one of the episodes that said, "If we," it was just a quote tweet, quote, if we ever come close to making a cogent point, we're going to be in danger. And I said, hey, I recognize that quote. <laughs> so we've been, our, the, 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 the milestone of somebody quoting something you said back to you has been broached. And that is, uh, that is delightful, but yeah, thank you to everyone who does listen. And if, if you rate us, that's great. If you also want another way to support us, we have a T public store where there is 
two designs up for purchase on very many surfaces. You can get a t-shirt, a hoodie, a tote bag, a coffee mug in one of our two designs. The logo designed by Katie Rogers always looks great. We have a coffee mug of it and it looks amazing. Uh, but also the new uh, daytime is safety t-shirt design by makeshift Madison, Madison, my friend, she did a great job and that is available on the store for you to buy right now. And I would love to see if you get something, take a picture of you in the something or holding the something and send it to me, send it to nothing to fear podcast. So we can ooh and ah and make all sorts of noise about it. Do it. Ooh, ah, noise. Ooh, ah, noise. Do it, please. Are we done? We're not done. We got socials. Oh, right. We got social medias. We got a whole list still. So if you want to follow us, you can catch us on Instagram at Nothing to Fear Podcast. I tweet over on Nothing to Fear P1. You can send us an email at Nothing to Fear Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can talk to me directly at Billy by Design. The our underscores between the words and Billy is spelled with an IE. And yeah. You can listen to Alex on this podcast and thank you for writing the the music that we use every single week for this for this wonderful show. Thank you to Katie. Put underscore that down is her Instagram handle for the design and the artwork. Um, Luke, thanks for being on it. Do you want to plug any recent episode of Really True Fiction or anything? What's coming up? Well, we're recording this November 6th. So the next episode to come out is going to be the Isaac Asimov novel Foundation, which is awesome. I okay. would highly recommend anyone interested in the intersection of sci-fi and philosophy to read that book. Yeah. It's on, it's not too long. It's like 240 pages, so it's like it's a little bit of a of a chore but not too bad. And it's just, it's just this great book that spans like hundreds of years. This is the one where the like society knows it's going to Yeah. The, the psycho- empire is going to yeah. end if something happens so yeah. they the psycho historians right, right, right? Yeah, yeah. and it was really fun to talk about so cool uh yeah really true fiction foundation sounds yeah. like a good base yeah <laughs> find that where <laughs> that's where we're at our most basic find Hello! that wherever you find this podcast you can download that one as well next week did we i can't remember what we said we were watching next week was it nightmare on elm street feel like that's what we should do i think that's what i we feel like do. i'm ready for that movie All you right. feel like you're ready for that movie yeah of course i i love me some freddy a little bit of freddy we're gonna meet freddy krueger from is he the same freddy and freddy got fingered no that's tom green and we don't talk about that movie mm. <laughs> it's like is is freddy this freddy he's the crossover of sauerkraut and a german gun a krauger krueger i'm not laughing at freddy krueger not no <laughs> yeah this is this is the stock laughter this is stock laughter you owe us stock laughter <laughs> maybe terrible. next time that's terrible so yeah we are going to hopefully meet freddy krueger next week i've been mm. burned before friday the 13th oh yes <laughs> so that movie burned all of us so let's 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 see you next week and until then there's nothing to fear, friends. They're just movies. That's a good one. Speaking of banana phones, you want to hear a really quick joke? Always. What goes green, green, yellow, black, 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 pink? I don't know. <laughs> banana phones? <laughs> Close. It's a phone. Green, green, yellow, black, 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 pink. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Thank you. Yellow. 
I got tons of jokes.